Hi, I'm Billy Shore, and welcome to Add Passion and Stir, the podcast about food, hunger, passion, and making a difference today. This March, as part of the American Rescue Plan, Congress passed legislation that significantly expanded the child tax credit. For decades, the child tax credit has helped with the cost of raising a family through an annual tax refund. But the reality is that some of the most vulnerable Americans could not access the credit because they did not make enough income to file taxes. The recent legislation seeks to address this inequity, at least temporarily. Over the next few weeks, Add Passion and Stir explores the history, impact, and expansion of the child tax credit to better understand how the legislation can help end childhood hunger and poverty in America. We hear from members of Congress who are leading policy reform efforts. We hear from families that are benefiting from the new monthly credit payments and from organizations working to make sure that everyone eligible for the credit actually gets it. Today, in the first episode in the series, we speak with Representative Jim McGovern, Chair of the House Rules Committee, and Congresswoman Rosa DeLauro, Chair of the House Appropriations Committee, as well as Senator Michael Bennett, to explore the origin and evolution of the child tax credit and its role in a holistic approach to ending poverty and hunger in America. We also talk with Monica Gonzalez, Share Our Strengths Associate Director of Government Relations about other changes, like the recent 25% increase to monthly supplemental nutrition assistance program benefits known as SNAP, that are also addressing hunger and poverty in America. We're so glad you're here with us today. More after a short break. We are so grateful for our partner, the Habit Burger Grill, and the unbelievable support they've shown us in the past six years, especially during the pandemic. From now through October 21st, you can round up your bill at the Habit Burger Grill and donate your change to No Kid Hungry. Since 2015, the Habit Burger Grill has helped raise nearly $2.5 million to help end childhood hunger in America. We are so appreciative of their partnership and continued support. Thanks so much to the Habit Burger Grill. The child tax credit was created in 1997 and was non-refundable for most families. This meant that if you didn't earn enough money to file taxes, you wouldn't get the credit. So ironically, many of the families who needed it the most would not be getting it. Since 2003, Representative Rosa DeLauro, a Democrat from Connecticut and current chair of the House Appropriations Committee, has led the charge to mend that hole in the safety net. There was a child tax credit at the time, but it was a credit that left out one third of children in this country. And most of those children were African-American or, or Latino. And wh when I asked the then chairman of the budget committee, John Spratt, if I could introduce an amendment to the budget that would uh, increase uh, the child tax credit to $1,000, uh, make it refundable. And uh, he said, go for it. Uh, I lost on a party line vote. I knew I was going to lose on a party line vote, but wherein uh, began the legislative journey so that I have introduced the child tax credit in every Congress since that time. Before the recent expansion in March 2021, there had been adjustments to the credit. The amount of the credit was increased to $2,000 and the credit was made partially refundable and the amount you had to earn to qualify for the credit was reduced. Representative Jim McGovern, a Democrat from Massachusetts and chair of the House Rules Committee, has seen the entire arc of the child tax credit from inside Congress, a lifelong advocate for ending hunger and a champion for expanding the credit. McGovern joined Congress in 1997, the same year the credit was created as part of the Taxpayer Relief Act. When we spoke with McGovern, he shared how the child tax credit is one part of a holistic strategy to reduce poverty and end hunger. 
One of the things we've been talking about a lot at Share Our Strength is that it takes more than food to fight hunger. Uh, and as much as we do to get food and emergency food assistance and school meals to people, uh, at the end of the day, if we're really going to end hunger, it's going to take more than food. And I think of the child tax credit as uh, one of the elements of that. Can you just talk a little bit about the evolution that you've seen and fought for in the growth of this child tax credit, which is now becoming reality in a big way? And of course, we've got work to do to extend it and make it more accessible. But uh, share a little bit about just what you, you've seen in your time. Well, you're right. I mean, back when President Clinton was president, uh, we had a, a more modest uh, child tax credit we advanced. Uh but um, the, what we're dealing with now in the American Rescue Plan uh, expanded the child tax credit, as you mentioned, up to $3,600 per child for children ages 0 to 5 and $3,000 per child for children ages to 6 to 17. Uh, but, you know, as somebody who, like you, uh, is very much focused on how do we end childhood hunger, how do we end hunger in general in this country, uh, it is more than just about expanding one program like SNAP or expanding school meals, uh, programs and initiatives like the child tax credit are essential because ultimately for families to be able to put nutritious food on the table, uh, they have to have the resources, the money to be able to do that. And the child tax credit is actual money in the pockets of struggling families. And we've seen from uh, some of the reporting that a lot of that money has gone to food. Uh, and we've seen a, a reduction in poverty because of some of the initiatives in the American Rescue Package. So all of that is is positive. But when we talk about ending hunger, it's not about one thing. We have to look at the issue holistically and we need to connect the dots. It is things like the child tax credit, housing, um, uh, you know, healthcare, a whole bunch of things we need to talk about. And the, the child tax credit, uh, though, I think it's important to, for people to understand would not only have this impact on hunger that you've described, but would really create funding available for families for health care needs, education needs, school supplies, uh, other things that they need to pay for. And it's really a way of, of giving families uh, the, 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 the power over their own uh, future in terms of deciding where these, where these dollars go. But I'm glad you talked about the impact that it could have on hunger, which as you and I know is, you know, kind of a symptom of a set of more complex issues around poverty. Uh, this child tax credit will lift millions of kids out of poverty. And I'm sure there are uh, some pretty compelling numbers uh, in Massachusetts as well. Right. I mean, you know, um, countless families in Massachusetts will benefit and, um, you know, and, and millions of families all across this country um, will benefit from this. They already, they already are benefiting from it. And I'm hearing from uh, people when I'm out and about uh, in my district uh, who are grateful to be able to get this additional funding. I mean, and it, and it gives families the ability to make choices. Um, you know, we talk about ending hunger. It's oftentimes it's like, you know, here's a box of food, you know, that, that's, and that's helpful in some uh, circumstances, but this gives families the ability to make choices, uh, to be able to um, decide what in fact they, they want to put on their kitchen table. And, um, you know, these are, you know, these are monthly payments, uh, and um, and again, they have already had a major impact here in the Commonwealth, but also all across the country. Leaders in Congress and in anti-poverty and anti-hunger organizations, including Share Our Strength, have advocated for updates to the credit for decades. What's different about right now that helped to get those changes passed? For Senator Michael Bennett, a leader on issues of child poverty, 
The answer is the pandemic. Senator Bennett from Colorado is a member of the Senate Finance Committee and co-author with Senator Sherrod Brown of the American Family Act of 2019. The American Family Act advocated for a monthly refundable tax credit for families with children under the age of 17, and it served as a blueprint for the expanded child tax credit. Bennett is one of the CTC6, along with Brown, Senator Cory Booker, and Representatives Susan Del Bene, Rosa DeLauro, and Richie Torres. We spoke with Bennett about this pivotal moment in the fight against hunger. Well, this message really resonates with us, Senator, because as you know, we've always talked about childhood hunger in particular as a solvable problem. Uh, we have the food in this country. We have the food programs. Uh, you're now going a, a step farther and saying that child poverty uh, is actually solvable. It's, it's probably like childhood hunger. It's not so much about the resources. It's about the political will. Tell us a little bit about what the political path is going to be to your, the point you made a moment ago to make this permanent or to at least extend it for a significant period of time. Uh, everything in our politics today is but very narrow margins. How's this going to happen? Well, I, I'd say, first of all, what made this possible, I'm sort of sorry to say this, was the experience the American people went through during this pandemic. And, you know, the realization that 50 years of an economy that had worked well for the top 10%, but not for anybody else, just became untenable in the context of, of the COVID pandemic. Now we have to make it permanent. And I think that what we're going to have to do is fight to, do, to, to achieve that. I don't know how many years we're going to get done in this next infrastructure package. That's obviously the first step. Uh, but I think when families begin to get this starting tomorrow, it's going to be very hard to take away. I wouldn't want to be on the other side of that argument. I wouldn't want to be explaining why 90% of the American people shouldn't have the benefit of this. By the way, what is the biggest working class, middle class tax cut we've ever had in our country? I think it's going to be hard to take that away from people. And, uh, and, and uh, this is something that's worth fighting for. I believe in the end, our goal should be to eliminate childhood poverty in this country, just like your goal is to eliminate hunger among children. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge we can overcome. Representative DeLauro also sees the possibility for immense changes in families' lives because of the expansion of the child tax credit, especially when it comes to overcoming child hunger and poverty. Take a look at the data surrounding the, uh, 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 the, the strength of the child tax credit. A uh, National Academy of Sciences uh, study on what would lift children out of poverty. The results of that study, Billy, was that the child tax credit was the most important and the strongest vehicle to get that done. You couple that with information that has come from Columbia University, uh, their School of Social Work and, and Poverty, and it, it, it is that the child tax credit has the ability to lift uh, over one half of kids out of poverty, and that's African-American, Hispanic, Native American, white, Asian Pacific kids, all children it could lift out of poverty. 55%, extraordinary. And we haven't seen anything like, like this kind of transformational social policy since Franklin Roosevelt uh, and, and the New Deal and Social Security. And in essence, Billy, we're looking at Social Security for kids. It's already, it has already with three payments, three of the monthly payments, 
has driven down the poverty numbers and driven down the hunger numbers. And that's really pretty extraordinary. Jim McGovern also identifies the opportunity of this moment and insists that we first need to acknowledge that a one-size-fits-all approach will not end hunger. When we talk about anti-poverty programs, we talk about anti-hunger programs, uh, we, we need to look at, we need to focus on dignity uh, and respect. I always tell people that the food that, that, that we should want to make sure that uh, struggling families have is the same food that you or I uh, would want, uh, you know, for our, for our families at home. You know, there's a there's a um, a, a narrative that is out there that uh, doesn't reflect reality, and um, and that is that somehow the people we're talking about, you know, aren't working or they you know that they, they they just want to sit home. That's just not the case. I mean, the majority of people who are able to work who are on SNAP, for example, I mean, they do work, um, and the family many of the families who are benefiting from the child tax credit actually work. You can work full-time in this country and still be stuck in poverty. Uh, and so when we talk about looking at the whole picture, you know, this is one of the ways uh, to help, uh, you know, give people a little bit of boost uh, so that they can, you know, be the kinds of parents that we all want to be for our kids. It, we, we have this national kind of one-glove-fits-all approach. Well, a, a livable, a, a, you know, a, a livable, you know, a, you know, what constitutes a livable wage in Mitchell, South Dakota, for example, um, is different than what constitutes a livable wage in Boston or in San Francisco, for example. And so we, we need to understand that, um, you know, uh, that we, we have to account for that uh, in terms of in, in, when we're determining whether or not people are struggling or whether people have enough to put food on the table when they work. But look, we need, we, 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 we need, I mean, we just celebrated Labor Day and, and yet, um, uh, there are, there are so many in this country, um, who are working and who are working multiple jobs and still can't make ends meet. The expanded child tax credit is an important step towards helping American families thrive. Some experts say the changes could lift as many as 5 million kids out of poverty. Senator Bennett describes the changes to the credit. There are three important changes that we made to the t child tax credit in a bill called the American Family Plan that now has been adopted by Joe Biden in the American Rescue Plan. The first is we went from $2,000 to $3,000 per kid, unless the kid's under the age of six, in which case it went to $3,600. So we increased the amount of the child tax credit. The second thing, to your point, that was so important was we, we made refundable, which meant that for the first time, millions and millions of kids in America whose families were too poor to receive the credit, starting tomorrow are going to receive the credit. And the third thing we did uh, is, uh, is we're going to be paying it out on a monthly basis. So families are going to be able to make decisions as do bills are coming due and they're trying to pay rent or trying to pay for groceries or maybe a little bit of childcare. Uh, so they can keep working, they're going to be able to do that in a real-time monthly basis instead of waiting uh, and waiting, uh, you know, until tax time rolls around. So those are the three big changes. A lot of people, you guys know this because you're working on this, but a lot of people I know don't realize that the United States has one of the highest childhood poverty rates in the industrialized world. In fact, I think that we're 38th out of 41 countries that are counted in, in that survey. The biggest Per percentage of people are the poorest population in our country are poor children, our children. And so 
what we've said with this tax credit, and the reason I think it is game-changing, is that we don't have to ex accept that level of childhood poverty as somehow is a permanent feature of our economy or a permanent feature of our democracy, that in fact we can do something about it. And because of your leadership, share our strengths leadership, and a lot of people around the world, around the country, we were able to get this done. Now we have to make it permanent. The focus on making the updated child tax credit permanent is critical because the changes will expire at the end of 2021 if we don't. If not made permanent, families that don't earn more than $2,500 annually will be ineligible for the credit. And those who have low annual earnings will only receive a partial credit. We spoke to Deloro, McGovern, and Bennett about what they're doing to make the changes permanent. If you don't put things in place permanently, you, you lose them. Assault weapons ban is one example. Affordable Care Act, if we had not made it permanent, look what they have tried to do to eviscerate the Affordable Care Act. So it, this is the moment. When you don't capture these moments, you lose them for what, the next 20 or 30 years. And that's the way I view this. We can't let this moment pass. You know, we're going to do the best we can to get as much as we can. And as we speak, uh, all the committees... Um, that are uh, uh, that have any jurisdiction over this what we call build back better bill or, or reconciliation which nobody knows what that means but but the bottom line is we're trying to get this human infrastructure bill passed are, are meeting and are doing uh, their committee uh, markups to report to the budget committee to put one big bill together to get it to my committee the rules committee so we get it to the house floor look um we don't we don't have any room for error i mean we have small margin in the house we have a 50 50 split in the senate um, and uh, we need every Democrat uh, to vote with us on this. And, um, and, and again, this to me is about our values. Uh, and I, you know, I'll be honest with you, I get frustrated when I hear uh, fellow Democrats say, well, I don't like this, or I want to do this, or you know, we want to make it smaller. Or this. I mean, this is people's lives. And yeah, the money we're talking about is significant and we're going to try to offset as much of it as possible so it's paid for. But th the reason why this investment is so significant is because we have underinvested in people for decades. And so, um, you know, rather than just talking about helping people who struggle, um, we are actually going to do something about it. Um, and, th you know, that's what this Build Back Better bill is all about. So people who are listening, you know, from all around the country, please call your representative and call your senator and say, you know, don't screw around with this, right? I mean, you know, get the best deal you can get. But at the end of the day, we all got to support it. Because the the alternative to that is not extending the child tax credit or making it permanent. The, the alternative to that is not investing uh, in affordable child care. The alternative to that is not uh, expanding Medicare to include um, you know, uh, dental and eye care for our senior citizens. I mean, it's a whole bunch of stuff, not to mention investments in combating the climate crisis and investments in our agricultural system as well. So, you know, at the end of the day, it, this may not be everything I want or you want or people who are listening want, or it may be a little bit more than some people think we should have. Whatever it is, at the end of the day, we all have to support this because the alternative is to do nothing. And that would be a real tragedy. As McGovern said, life is complicated. And while Share Our Strength and many others believe that solving the problem of childhood hunger is achievable, changes to one credit will not be enough. That's why leaders like Deloro, McGovern, and Bennett are addressing how hunger is impacted by broader systems like access to health care, education, and housing. 
For his part, McGovern is pushing the Biden administration to truly investigate how to end hunger now. Uh, I'm so excited about your very powerful vision that you've had for a long time of a White House conference. Share with us uh, what that looks like and what your plan is to make it a reality. Look, as you mentioned um, uh, at the beginning of this uh, podcast, we, 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 we talk about ending hunger. It's not just one thing. It's not just one program. And that's the way we tend to talk about it in Congress, because the the jurisdiction for all the issues that are relevant fall into multiple committees. And let's be honest, we don't all work well together. People have jurisdictional issues. I chair the Rules Committee. We have no jurisdictional uh, you know, restraints. So we have decided to kind of take this issue on and kind of like the old Select Committee on Nutrition and Human Needs and to do hearings and site visits and conversations with people um, all across the country about what works, what doesn't work, what are some of the out-of-the-box ideas that we should look at. And I've been talking to every cabinet official in the administration, telling them they all have a role in this. It's not just USDA, not just HHS. I talked to the Secretary of Transportation, Pete Buttigieg. I said, you have a role in this. I mean, we have people who live in food deserts who don't have access uh, to places to get good food. You know, we, we ought to explore ways that, trans- the, uh, you know, refrigerated trucks. I mean, all those things fall in your jurisdiction. You need to be on board. The Secretary of Energy, uh, Jennifer Granholm, the utility costs in Massachusetts in the winter are high. Utility costs in the, uh, in the West uh, during these heat waves are high. They impact food budgets. You need to have a role in this, not to mention the climate crisis. The head of the VA, we have uh, a hunger amongst our veterans. I can go on and on and on, but we need an all-hands-on-deck approach to this. We need to involve the private sector, the nonprofit sector, uh, people like you who have been out there, um, you know, uh, nonstop, uh, we share our strength and, you know, championing some of these issues need to be at the table. Uh, we, we need to look at the issue of nutrition insecurity and how food is medicine. Our healthcare system needs to be part of this. So the only way to do that, in my opinion, is to get a White House conference where the president is on board and calling everybody together to get this thing done. The last time we did a White House conference similar to this was 52 years ago. Uh, and we were, that helped with WIC and uh, the modern day SNAP program and more emphasis on child nutrition. We need, we need to do much, much more. And, um, and we, I, I just, by, by, as an aside, we have 25 chairs of our committees in the House, all 25 chairs from the, sec- from the chair of the Agriculture Committee to the chair of the Intelligence Committee all signed a letter uh, that I organized to the president saying, do this, make this a priority. And if he does, then I think the conversations we will be, have are, are going to be um, even more expansive and, and, more, and different from the way we've had them in the past. And we actually can... Uh, talk about ending hunger now. Senator Bennett shares Representative McGovern's belief in the opportunity we now have to meaningfully address childhood hunger and poverty in America. You know, we tend to silo so many issues in this country, but uh, I I mentioned and you mentioned your role uh, as an educator and former superintendent of schools. Uh, Any sense of what the impact could be on the ability of kids to learn if their families have these resources that they need. I, I hate to say this today, uh, but uh, Billy, but I will. I mean, if you look at our lack of quality of preschool and accessible preschool, by the way, we're trying to address that in right now with Joe Biden's leadership, our lack of quality for too many kids K-12 and, and a lack of access to higher ed. If you take all that together, uh, 
what we are doing in our education system today is reinforcing the income inequality we have rather than liberating kids from their economic circumstances. And poverty is a huge, huge driver of that. And if we can get the thing I left, you know, the superintendency believing was that education and economic mobility are not different things. They're the same things. Uh, and, and in order to drive better educational results, we have to drive better economic mobility in this country. And this child tax credit is just one, it's a big step, big step, but it's one step forward to creating an economy that once again, when it grows, grows for everybody, not just the people at the very top. That will have a profound effect on educational outcomes for kids. And by the way, it's why you know folks like Columbia University has, have looked at this and said, that we'll get an eight times annual payback on the investment that we're making because instead of just mitigating for the effects of childhood poverty, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're eliminating half of it in, in the country. And that comes with an incredible amount of savings um, in our educational system, our mental health system, our um, criminal justice system. So I just think we're at an amazing, I've never been more optimistic in the 11 years that I've been in the Senate Representative DeLauro believes we all have a role to play to share our strength to take action to permanently end child hunger in America. I will say to the credit of the IRS, um, they have reached out. They've got about several thousand groups and organizations and networks that they have reached out to. Members of Congress, I might add, have been all over the country uh, doing events uh, on on the child tax credit and getting the word out to those who need to know that they are eligible, but they don't file their taxes. So that I can only say to you that uh, in engaging in a, 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 a the strength of our the campaigning on this, I believe is critical uh, to its success. Uh, for individuals. I was in touch with all of my school districts. I got printed 25,000 flyers. We got all up to the district. I know Maxine Waters did the same thing. We've gotten flyers out. We've gone door to door. Um, but the networks that all of you have is critical to getting the word out. And it's multiple contacts. It's multiple contacts. So if you get the flyer out, if you go door to door, if you try to telephone, if they have trusted people in churches, etc., cetera, uh, and people need to sign up uh, by the end of November, we can be messengers, whatever you need, happy to be there for you. We'll be back in just a moment to explore other changes to benefits like SNAP that are helping in the fight against childhood hunger. Hello, Ad Passion and Stir listeners. It's Billy Shore here. I'm coming to you today to ask for a favor. Share Our Strength launched Ad Passion and Stir in 2016 to promote conversations about food, justice, and society. And over more than 200 episodes, I've had the privilege of talking to some amazing people like Jeff Bridges, Pink, Anthony Anderson, Carol King, Ariana Huffington. And we've also talked to many of the most amazing chefs in this country. Daniel Hoom, Mary Sue Milliken, Tanya Holland, Douglas Williams, and countless more. We're working on some exciting changes now to add passion and stir, and we want to hear from you about what you love about the podcast, what you want more of, and what you might change. You can find the survey at addpassionandstir.com. Just click the podcast survey button at the top of the page. 
please share your feedback, and thank you for helping to make this podcast great. Now let's get back to the episode. Hi, welcome back to Add Passion and Stir. I'm Billy Shore. I've got a special guest with me today, one of my colleagues who I work very closely with. Monica Gonzalez is the Director of Federal Advocacy for Share Our Strength and our No Kid Hungry campaign. She may be the busiest person on our entire staff because Congress is, uh, for Congress at least, uh, working on all cylinders to pass President Biden's legislation, uh, one of the largest, uh, most unprecedented uh, in size packages of social uh, welfare uh, uh, legislation that we've seen in generations, and much of it directly impacts hunger and poverty and other issues that we work on at Share Our Strength. So uh, we're going to talk about all of that, but Monica, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I can't think of a better place to be right now than to be with you talking about all these really important issues. Uh, The SNAP uh, Supplemental Nutritional Assistance Program uh, which many people remember as food stamps, uh, is one of the most effective ways to give families the resources, what they need. And we had some big victories there that you were, uh, you and our team were a significant part of. Can you give folks the state of play of what was the situation with SNAP before the pandemic and then, uh, since then? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, you know, kind of building on what we were just saying is that I think what the pandemic did was it really offered us the opportunity to really kind of incubate and think about different approaches and policy um, ideas in terms of how we're able to feed kids and families. And I think what we saw through the pandemic and what it really revealed was that there was a level of inadequacy when it comes to the SNAP program. And so it was time, it was long overdue for us to modernize the Thrifty Food Plan. You know, that food plan had only been updated once, I think, in the 1970s, and it was very outdated. Um, It really um, was based on a family structure of a mother and a father and the mother staying at home and cooking meals from scratch. And and Monica, just just the the Thrifty Food Plan is actually kind of like a term of art, right? That's an official government designation. So I was going to ask you, sorry to interrupt, but I was going to ask you to explain that. Yeah, it's basically USDA's way of saying this is what it takes um, to have a healthy meal or a healthy diet on a kind of on a budget. And so they put together this food basket, which could include, you know, dried beans, or it included in some ways making bread from scratch. Um, So again, you know, a very outdated kind of approach and plan. But I think most importantly, the modernization and what it did to really reflect the way we consume and consume food and eat it today is that it will help to lift about 2.4 million SNAP participants, including 1 million um, children um, above the poverty line. Um, So this is really going to help. It's really going to help them um, in terms of, you know, having healthier diets and it will also improve food security. So this was really significant. Um, I think it comes out to about a 25% increase in the benefit. But let's talk a little bit about one of our current priorities, which is the child tax credit. Uh, and we've had a child tax credit in this country for some time. We've been talking about it on a number of episodes of Add Passion and Stir. Uh, why is um, 
a child tax credit needed and how's it going to work? You know, I think, you know, what we have seen is that, you know, the child tax credit um, that was temporarily authorized by the American Rescue Plan has already lifted 3 million children out of poverty. And, you know, we know that this is working. It's working to help close um, the disparities that we see among children, Black and Latino children who live in poverty. Um, We also know that it has been incredibly impactful in helping those households with children who are still suffering from food insecurity. We've seen that it has actually decreased um, food insecurity by 3%, um, you know, after families have received those child tax um, payments. And so we know and we can see, um, you know, the evidence that this policy is working. And given that the pandemic has left so many kids and families behind, especially Black and Latino children, it's really critical that we have these policies to make sure that kids are not falling further into poverty. But we do everything possible to make sure that they can thrive and that they can reach their full potential. So one of the um, items that I've seen reported in the news is that Families who have received the child tax credit, at least recently over this summer, like for the month of July, I think I saw, uh, used an overwhelming per, per, uh, percentage of it for food. So, uh, you know, the, the child tax credit is unrestricted. You could use it for whatever needs you have. Uh, but the thinking behind it is that it will be used to support your children. And more specifically, I'd say from the point of share our strength in our No Kid Hungry campaign is we're seeing a direct impact on hunger. And I I guess the fact that such a large percentage of these dollars is being used for food just gives you a a sense. It's kind of a statement about how many families are living with or close to hunger or food insecurity. Yeah, absolutely right, Billy. You know, I think what, you know, we're seeing with the child tax credit is that Families are using it to, you know, spend on those basic needs, you know, because we have to remember that, you know, SNAP benefits um, don't carry families through the entire month, right? We know that after the second week, they're visiting food banks and, you know, they're looking for other resources to address that gap. The child tax credit really helps families to say, okay, this will help free up some additional money. I can definitely pay the utilities. I can get those over-the-counter medicines that are needed to make sure that my child stays well. And I can use it to buy more food to make sure that we're not struggling to put food on the table. I think what we saw during the pandemic and through the great work of the census um, you know, department was that basically we were seeing how families um, with children were struggling to put food on the table through seven days a week. And so what we're seeing is that this is having a huge impact on helping those families make sure that those kids go to go to bed with a full stomach. And Monica, do you have a, a concern that the families, the black and brown families and others who need it the most uh, may be the uh, least likely to get it if they uh, have not been part of the uh, having an income before or not been 
paying taxes before, not in the system. Uh, what's the thinking about what needs to be done for uh, the families that may not just know how to access this new benefit on their own. Yeah, I'm very concerned about that because, you know, I think unless this child tax credit is fully refundable, that means that we're not going to reach the kids who need this the most. And we know that that includes Black and Latino children, that, you know, they're the ones who have been really left behind at a higher rate than other children. And so what it means to be fully refundable is that, you know, when families don't have enough income where they're filing taxes, we need to make sure that they do understand that they have the ability to still fill out a form and get this tax credit, right? So, you know, we have to have a very concerted effort to make sure that we're reaching those families, that they understand what this means for them, and that all of us as a community that have those resources and those platforms and that reach, that we're helping them to be able to have access to this um, important program, and they're able to use it to um, help their children as well. Now, I know that this uh, tax credit is really one component of a much larger uh, plan that the president has put together uh, that includes numerous other provisions that I know you're working on as well. Could you talk a little bit about the, the, the Build Back Better program of the Biden administration? And what else is in there that we should be paying attention to? <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think the child tax credit is a really good example of how this plan and how all these programs work together and can really do a lot to help children um, who are experiencing hunger. And so, you know, I think, you know, one of the things that we can think about with Build Back Better is that it is a once in a generation opportunity to invest in kids. And, you know, when we think about all of the programs, we have to think about the fact that they can all be complementary. But I want to zero in just on a few programs that we know are just going to be you know, essential in the fight against hunger. So we know that today 12 million children are living in poverty and 12 million, I'm sorry, and 13 million may face hunger this year. Um, and we also know that Black and Latino households with children are more likely to experience poverty and food hardship. Um, so that is why we're really working hard to make sure that we expand summer EBT nationwide. And what summer EBT does is make sure that families have a modest, um, you know, benefit on a card so that those families who are unable to access a summer meal site, um, who are unable to, you know, access food during the summer, that they have um, the ability to go to a grocery store and buy the food that they need to help feed their kids through the summer. Um, the other piece is the expansion of the community eligibility provision. This will make sure that kids who need school meals the most um, are able to get those meals at school, that we will be able to reach more kids um, who need those meals. That's that's really significant that we're able to reach those kids. And then the other piece is that um, 
you know, we want to make sure that we're able to provide access by direct certification. You know, if kids are enrolled in one program like Medicaid, then we can make sure that they're eligible to participate in other programs and that they're getting access to everything that they need to all of those supports that will help them to grow up healthy and strong. So there's a lot of really important uh, measures packed into this one piece of legislation. What's the legislative outlook? We know how tight things are in Congress, Senate being evenly divided, the House pretty close to being evenly divided. Uh, Nobody's got a perfect crystal ball. What do you think is going to happen? Well, I think it's going to be a really big effort um, to move this across the finish line. But I think we're up for this, Billy. I really do. I think the time is now um, that, you know, we have to recognize that um, we have waited a very long time to make investments in our human infrastructure and in these programs um, that we know have worked. And I think if there's anything we've learned from the pandemic, we have to make sure that our society is well-nourished and well-positioned um, to be able to withstand anything that comes its way. And so I think, you know, what we should look for going forward is that right now we know that the committees, the House committees have done their work. They've reported out their bills. Um, next, it will go to the budget committees to kind of package it all up. And then they're going to go ahead and send it to the Rules Committee to get their you know, kind of how the debate is going to go forward. And then it will go to the House for a vote. Um, Once it goes to the House floor, um, it will move over to the Senate and the Senate will vote on it. And let's hope um, and fingers crossed that it doesn't get back um, sent back over to the House. But I think the one thing, you know, is important to recognize here is that, you know, in every Congress, whether it was Republicans or Democrats, the process that we're using to get this across the finish line, reconciliation, budget reconciliation, has always been a partisan effort. (laughs) Um, So that means that we need um, every single Democrat to be able to vote for this bill because we know that the majorities are very narrow on both sides of the chambers. So um, I think, you know, we're working very hard to make sure that um, we get this across the finish line. Uh, Monica, I know we've got to wrap up, but uh, uh, before we go, uh, just tell us, uh, somebody who's been doing this a long time and with a lot of success, uh, what's the secret to being a successful advocate? What, 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 when you're dealing with members of Congress, and their staffs. Um, what is it that's making you effective? It's most definitely the relationships, right? You know, you have to be able to speak to everyone and you have to have an open mind. And it doesn't matter who I'm talking to. And you have to be open to the idea that, um, you know, they may not understand the programs. I oftentimes, when I'm talking to people who have a different point of view and they're not very clear, I remind them that the National School Lunch Program was created by our nation's military out of a need for national security. And then when I'm talking with other folks, I try to make sure that they understand, you know, this is 
this is the pathway that food is and and the nourishment of children is how they're able to achieve their dreams. And this is critically important. And so, you know, it really is about sitting down, talking to people, being a good listener, and then helping them to understand why this is important, not just for their school, not just for their community, but for our country as a whole. So, Monica, last thing. Um, so, our listeners who care about this, um, almost by definition, if they're listeners to Add Passion and Stir, what should they be doing? Uh, is it as simple as getting online and emailing your member of the House or Senate? Yeah, we make this really easy for people to do. And I, you know, we have such a great team that, you know, makes sure that anyone who wants to lend their voice to these issues and to help us move it across the finish line can do that. So what they should do is they should go to nokidhungry.org um, and basically sign up to be one of our advocates and they'll we'll make sure that they get the alerts that they need, um, that they have everything easy um, to be able to kind of, you know, click on different links so that they can make sure that they get in touch with the congressman that represents them. And they're able to say, hey, I want you to stand with kids today. I need you to vote for this and I need you to help us end hunger. So give us that uh um, link again www.nokidhungry.org and if you click on ways you can help you will find opportunities to lend your voice and speak up for kids well we've been talking to monica gonzalez the director of federal advocacy at share our strength in our no kid hungry campaign uh as monica said this is the kind of issue that everybody can make a difference on everybody's voice can be heard uh, go to nokidhungry.org and find the way to connect with your member of Congress. Uh, if enough people do that, uh, as Monica says, we'll get this across the finish line. We'll move in the direction of a country where there is no kid hungry. You've been listening to Add Passion and Stir. We'll be back in two weeks with the second episode in our Child Tax Credit series, where we'll look at how organizations are working to make sure everyone eligible for the credit is actually getting it. Thank you to our team at Share Our Strength and the No Kid Hungry campaign, in particular, Monica Gonzalez and Jason Gromley for their help with this episode. Add Passion and Stir is produced by District Productive with support from Joanna Weber and Kelly Griffin. And always uh, my colleague and sister, Debbie Shore, who helps with every aspect of the podcast. Be sure to visit us at addpassionandstir.com where you can find more information about the child tax credit and SNAP updates and past episodes of the show. We'll also be sharing bonus content from our interviews with Congressman McGovern, and Congresswoman DeLauro. Be sure to follow our podcast to get the latest updates. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend and click the link to rate the show. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Billy Shore.